This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi-Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays and Wednesdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. This week, we talk with Colin Neville, Managing Director and Sports Dealmaker at The Rain Group. The conversation has shifted a little bit to how else can you monetize it's not just the product on the field and, you know, the next media rights deal. There's a lot of interesting things happening. We'll have more of our interview with Rain's Colin Neville in a few minutes. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week. And let's start with the president and CEO of AMB Group. We talked about, they're up, by the way, should add, they're hosting the Super Bowl at the uh, Mercedes Men's Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. And they're saying, look, if you're worried about this shutdown that's going on, Everything is going to be fine. CEO Steve Kennett had this to say on the government shutdown. Take a listen. Uh, we are not concerned about the government shutdown. We've been assured from Atlanta Police Department and, the, and the, uh, the planning group, the host committee, that we've got the resources on the ground to pull this off. We're very excited about bringing the, the hundreds of thousands of people into town, um, and we're going to do it very safely. So what do you think, guys? Is I'm this going to be a problem? I told you. I just came back from Buffalo. Multiple flights canceled because of the air traffic controllers. I would be concerned. You wonder, are folks not going to show up for work? Are they, will there be sort of a, a sick out? Uh, how are they making sure that the air traffic controllers show up? Atlanta's hard to get out of. Anyway, my, my favorite part is, um, we were talking about it in the office, if you've ever tried to leave a major event in Atlanta, such as I did with the NBA All-Star Game all those years ago, good luck. It takes a long time. Well, guess what? I guess they're aware of that because they're opening the TSA lines at the airport in Atlanta like the, the day after the Super Bowl at 3 a.m. So yeah. somebody has an inkling that maybe this won't go as smoothly as planned, so they better make some other plans. Yeah, I mean, outside of the, the travel, the, we just heard Steve Cannon talking about the security, uh, which has been a question kind of floating out there for the past couple weeks there were some people that incorrectly reported that the super bowl is an nsse event which would put it on on par with the with the state of the union address from a security standpoint what um, state of the union and we we know the, the state of the union oh, uh, may not be happening uh the, the super bowl is actually one tier below that it's it's what's called a seer one event uh but in talking to folks part of the planning committee part of, of the host committee it is clear that the work that they've done with the fbi with homeland security with with a handful of other national law enforcement agents that's all been done way ahead of time. The shutdown itself is not going to affect the resources that they've already set aside, um, that they already have in place right now uh, to secure the safeties. Let's talk about Joe Montana. Go ahead. The greatest Super Bowl win that I remember mm -hmm. is Joe Montana. And I don't even have to go into it. Yeah. But it, it was excellent. And he's one of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. Uh, he's doing weed now. Well, we don't know if he's doing weed well, we know he's investing in. that's what i'm saying it's like well you, know, but you say he's doing weed well, makes i didn't me mean think. it well i'm sorry you're right i'm sorry joe i didn't mean it like that right he's investing in weed yeah well he's, why not you think it's a profitable business these days right 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's, by the way. Give me some specifics. It is, uh, it's uh, Caliba, and, uh, it, which is out of California. Uh, it's one of the top-selling brands of marijuana products in the state's legal market. And uh, former Yahoo CEO Carol Bartz, she also put some money into this. Well, Joe was at the Bloomberg Athlete VC and Tech Summit in San Francisco not long ago. He's been to both of them so far, the inaugural and the first annual. He's into a lot of things. Uh, to, to listen to Joe's investment strategy and the folks he works Sketchers. with. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. he loves the plush memory foam. Yeah, but Joe has a plan. Uh, and he actually has obviously had a platform. He's got a big name. He took advantage of it. He's obviously not <laughs> not the first and, and won't be the last celebrity or athlete endorser or, or investor that is going to get uh, get into the, the weed industry. Uh, certainly an, an inter- interesting time, right? There, there's, there's a lot of different ways to, to spread your money into what is a very nascent industry. You can go kind of towards the, the retail consumer product route. You can go towards the, the growth and cultivation route. Uh, I believe this company is more of the latter um but yeah we'll see there, there's a chance that this is uh this, this will be a uh, high net worth uh investment for joe montana uh the new york liberty uh wnba team a new owner yeah joe Sai took over uh from msg a number of teams the nba teams the original owners who were part of the nba wnba at the start had been looking to exit because it is not the most profitable of ventures Josiah is building a nice little portfolio of sports franchises, has 49% of the Brooklyn Nets, probably taking over a greater percentage, uh, a majority control pretty darn soon. He bought a lacrosse team in San Diego. He believes in sport, the power of sport. So it remains to be seen. This team is now playing in Westchester. The attendance is not very good. The team is not very good. What do you do with the asset? I'm not sure. Let's see what Joe has planned. It certainly can be a community play, uh, as Ted Leonsis likes to do. It can be a testing ground for all things technology, uh, rather than do it with the big league club, the major sport club at the start. You can test things there. So I'm assuming they will do more. Joe will do more with the Liberty than MSG had been doing because it had been an anchor more than anything else. Now let's get to this week's interview with Colin Neville, Managing Director at Rain. Colin, thank you very much for joining us in studio. Thanks for having me. So what do you like out there? What you see, business of sport, I'm giving you full spectrum. Wow. What's interesting? Look, there's a lot that's interesting. And I think we're at a moment in time when you think back over the last, I'm generalizing, but 15 to 20 years, sports business has been relatively status quo, right? It's You've got four main revenue streams for the big sports, sponsorship, media, ticketing, and merch. And for the large part, that's grown nicely. You know, contracts have gotten bigger. Now you're at a point in time over the last couple of years, given everything that's happening in the media landscape, whether it's the mergers of the big companies, um, whether it's uh, the emergence of the digital platforms, bidding on sports rights, uh, whether it's the uh, online gambling uh, becoming a, a major trend, you know, esports, all these ancillary businesses around sports. I think the the conversation has shifted a little bit to how else can you monetize? It's not just the product on the field and you know the next media rights deal. There's a lot of interesting things happening. So, what do folks who are seeking your advice want to know? Are these folks who they know sports business? Some are newbies to sports business. They don't really get it. 
what is it first and foremost that they want to know from you? I mean, it's a combination. You know, we work with people that um, own sports rights that are in the business, um, and we, get, we work with people that are either looking to buy a team um, or acquire an interest in a team. And at times, they're very versed in sports and all the businesses that surround the team. A lot of times, they're not. So it really depends on the situation. You know, we're involved in, frankly, things across the spectrum. Um, at Rain, we focus on sports, media, entertainment, technology, um, and all of those trends and uh, themes sort of intersect in a lot of ways. You can't separate those things anymore. Yeah, if you're you going to own a sports team and, and real estate, media, Correct. tech, I mean, you, you better figure out where the revenue Live entertainment. Are. Live entertainment. Um, yeah. You know, the, the sort of sports cities and the focus on how do you get people to spend money and, and stay uh, at the stadium or around the stadium before and after the game and on non-game days. I mean, all these trends are intersecting and where we focus, you know, 100% of our time. Let's start with the the media portion of it because I feel like for the fifth straight year, the changing media landscape is the biggest story happening. Well, you saw the PricewaterhouseCoopers study. This is the first year where media will eclipse gate in terms of revenue. I mean, media is the number one source of revenue now for these teams and leagues. Well, that, that's been true for a while, depending on what entity you're looking at. Um, well, I'm talking across the, the entire North American the, the platform. Entire, the, well, finally, okay. media is number one. Sure. Um, is there a scenario in which the fractured media world is bad for teams and leagues at the top tier. So, you know, your big four or big five leagues. It's a great question. Um, I think over the long term, no. I think having more bidders for the content is ultimately a good thing for the leagues. I think some of, some of what's happening now, um, whether it's uh, pressure on the RSN model, um, pressure that the MVPT, MVPDs are facing, um, you may see some hiccups, um, but I think, look, the cream will rise to the top always around sports. It still is, and we believe, the most powerful form of content. Um, and so, you know, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, DAZN, Tencent, Alibaba, um, I think the, the demand will always be there. Uh, and I think it's a good thing for, you know, premium sports. I think some of the emerging sports now also have other ways to distribute their product. You know, historically... A new sport may, may have had trouble getting carriage on you know, linear TV or had to pay for that carriage, and now you're, you just have more options. So you have digital streaming platforms that are willing to take a bet on an emerging player in the space. So I think long term, I think competition is always good. It seems like the best way to go, we were talking about buying sports teams, the best way to go now if you want to bargain is to buy a soccer team because you try to buy a football team, it's going to cost you a, a country. Now, at least a, a soccer team, uh, you have a chance uh, to own a decent franchise. Is now a good time to say that he advised Jorge Mas and David Beckham on the Miami team in MLS? Yeah. That's a good time right there. We'll slide there it, it in. Well, by the way, it'll cost you a country uh, overseas in some instances oh, yeah. uh, when you're talking about the Premier League and some of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, but, yes, look, we've been bullish on the MLS at Rain for a while now. Um, the youth trends support the growth of the league. Um, I think over the last five years, you've seen a pretty important influx of new ownership. Um, you know, the quality of a league is often determined by the quality and the strength of the individual owners. Um, and I think, you know, we, we worked with the MLS, I think, in 2014 and selling the franchise rights to, the, to NYCFC um, to Manchester City. They paid $100 million. I think fast forward 20 years, people are going to look back on that as you know, one of the steals of the century to get a major sport and the biggest media market in the world. 
Um, the Miami situation was a long four-year slog. Um, you know, I think people know the story that David had uh, the option to acquire a team. It took a long time to get that deal done because the missing link there was local ownership, which is important to the MLS, important to every league. And, and Jorge Mas and his brother Jose, you know, provided the the final push to get that deal done. Um, you know, it's not disclosed what they paid, but it's a very good deal. I'll put it that way. Um, and LaCorre is, uh, is going to do big things in Miami. Whose idea was it for David to have the rights to a future team? I, did he say, this is something I want to do after I'm done playing? Or is that when an advisor does it? Hey, David, you're in a, a unique opportunity right now where MLS really needs your presence. Let's use that to, it was written to get into what we want. Player contract. It, it was written into the, the initial 2006. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I wasn't around then. I was. Uh, well, you were around. You just weren't. I was there. in. Yeah, I was <laughs> studying for exams. Um, I think it was a combination of of David and uh, his business partner Simon Fuller at the time having incredible foresight to say. You know, I think teams were trading for ten million dollars, roughly. Um, you know, back then in the MLS, to say I will forego, you know, some salary in exchange for an option to acquire a team. It was a pretty big bet on the league, uh, but David had the influence and the impact that few people uh, you know, could have had on the league. So it worked out incredibly well for him. You know, he's a very savvy businessman. Um, and you know, Miami will be a, is a very important market for the league. It's the, it's the gateway to South America. Um, and you know, they have a big vision. So I think, I think the league is ultimately pretty happy how it turned out, albeit maybe a little bit longer than everyone wanted. But um, you know, good, good ending. So Everyone's happy. You you represented Steve Ballmer. You advised Steve Ballmer a two billion dollar purchase at the time. I mean, even with the Dodgers, everybody was nuts. This is this is what I laugh at. Every single person who spends more than anybody else had before on a professional sports franchise, whether it be NBA or NFL, they're nuts. Too much. They never should have done it. Right. A lot of head scratching. Well, get. I, Easy, easily justified nowadays. In hindsight, looks like a pretty smart, a, a, a good bargain, right? Yeah, I mean, look, beachfront property. Think of it as real estate. And how often do these massive, you know, the analogy is buying a building on Fifth Avenue, right? This is this is the definition of beachfront property. It's in L.A. Uh, I don't think a team, a basketball team in, in L.A. had been sold ever. Um, and Steve was motivated to own a franchise. He had looked previously at a few others that we had helped him with, and. You know, he had the the, for, the fortunate position of being able to move really quick. Um, it was yeah, having a, the cash will is, it helps. you do that. Yeah, yeah you can just write the check. You don't need to. Yeah. And we'll, we're going to get back to Jorge Mas and the Marlins. Don't worry about sure. you know, needing the cash. So we'll, <laughs> we'll get back on that track, Eben. Yeah. But, but on this one, yeah, I mean, he had the cash to do it. Yeah, and it's an L.A. NBA franchise. You know, the, we think one of the best investments in the world in sports is an NBA team. It's global. I think Eben alluded to it. It represents basketball in every country. It's it's the premium. It's what everyone strives for. Um, you know, football or soccer doesn't have that globally. There's a lot of fragmentation, as you as you said, with different leagues throughout Europe and the U.S. This is owning, you know, a franchise in one of the biggest media markets in the world, um, and someone that thinks uh, thinks outside the box. Um, and so I think, yes, at the time people said, how could you justify a two billion dollar purchase price? It was not cheap for sure, but in hindsight, it looks really good. And I think as long as you take a long-term mentality as an owner of sports teams, you'll make your money back. Uh, he uh, asked historically, me to, has been the case. He asked me to beta test his new app. I don't know if, if you've seen it. I haven't. And I've told these guys, one of the things is you watch the game on your phone. 
and right above the guy's heads, like a like a thought bubble, is the shooting percentage. If they took the shot from that particular spot on the floor. Yeah, is that uh, Second Spectrum? Yeah, yeah, that's one of our um, portfolio companies. Look at and you getting that in there. Well, well done. Steve's been super supportive of that business, thinking about next gen data stats. Right, that's what I'm getting at. Experience. Steve sees he didn't just buy a basketball. We know he likes basketball and he likes to hoot and holler. That's great. But Steve saw a technology play. Yeah. He sees a real estate play. He it's doesn't want to be yes. It's a platform, it's a platform for his team. He doesn't want to be a tenant in Staples Center and get treated like the third wheel. Steve wants a building, so it's real estate, and maybe he'll do it along with Stan Kroenke in, in that great thing, the building out there. I mean, I don't know what the price tag is anymore, but he saw way more than basketball. Is there anybody, can you survive anymore just wanting to own a team, or do you need to have the other 10 pulse? I think you can still survive, for sure. I mean, these businesses, um, in certain leagues especially, are essentially you know dividend models where you're you're generating so much cash that... Um, it's, it's, you're, you're making money every year as, as a team owner. Um, so I think some of the more innovative forward thinking, um, you know, the recent influx of owners that didn't inherit teams, but had built businesses outside of sports you know, a lot of guys that have made great moves in business and private equity and investing, uh, understand business and are thinking sort of three-dimensionally. Um, those guys are the ones to keep your eyes on going forward because they are. Give us some names. Are we talking Mark Lassery and, and yeah, Wes, Dynan, Mark, Wes Edens? I think what um, what what Blitzer and Josh Harris are doing with Scott O'Neill uh, at the 76ers and the Devils. You know, with with the esports business they're building around it. Um, I think you look at what the 49ers have done with Jed York and, and Al Guido around um, you know the the stadium business they own, venue next, but also elevate and. Uh, the sort of innovative approach to selling sponsorships and premium and tickets. Elevate, by the way, also includes the Harris Blitzer Sports and Correct. Entertainment. So they're, they're all getting together and figuring out what can we do, how do we utilize all of our assets. Correct. And that is a, a trend we're starting to see you know, throughout sports when you have people that are thinking of sports as a business, not just you know, a hobby. And that's, that's really changed. Ten years ago, that wasn't necessarily the case. It was, frankly, a media play and um, getting people in seats and starting to understand customer data and do sensitivity on ticket pricing and sort of tweaking things, but not really moving the needle in a big way. But remind me, Evan, you got to get me back to Jorge Mas and the Martins. We have to talk about that deal. But DraftKings, it's daily fantasy, but what do we got? 25, 30% of revenue now comes from sports betting. I see a big pivot. Higher, higher, Evan? He's, he's pushing me like the price is right. Higher, higher. Higher. <laughs> This thing is not going to be a daily fantasy sports company much longer. Well, it, it will be. Uh, we will always have a daily fantasy oh, sure. sports product. Um, you know, there, there's a misconception out there that um, people just want to bet on sports or, or just want to um, play daily fantasy. Um, you know, we've seen an incredible crossover of players in, in the early days here of having a sports gambling product um, of daily fantasy players uh, going to gambling and, and vice versa. Um, they're ultimately they're different experiences and, you know, playing with your friends or against your friends is very different than, you know, betting on, uh, on the saints, uh, sorry, Michael, um, <laughs> uh, to, to win the, the NFC championship. Um, but certainly look, when, when we invested in the company four years ago, we had, uh, an inkling that this day was coming. Um, we didn't certainly underwrite our investment based on that, but, you know, obviously pretty happy to see uh, the, the laws change and, and legislation move. Um, but 
it's it's a massive area of growth. I think it's probably the hottest topic in sports for the last year. So um, the company proactively, you know, before the legislation was passed, you know, started to build the technology and the platform to prepare for this day, uh, which was an incredible move. And you got to give credit to the management team there um, because it was a gamble. Um, sorry for the bad pun. Uh, that's starting to pay off. So I didn't I didn't see this coming, but where the majority of the uh, revenue from sports betting is made isn't just you know like some geezer like me okay i'll bet the money line for the saints it's from the prop betting yeah you'd be shocked at the the types of things that people are willing to bet on um (laughs) but you know it's draft kings is is more than a betting company we're we're working on a media strategy um so the idea is it can be a home for all things sports um and there's a lot of competition out there but uh, they've built an incredible brand. Um, they've got uh, more than 10 million, you know, accounts and users uh, playing every day. Um, so we think we have a lot of the pieces in place uh, to, cre- to create a lasting next generation sports destination. I feel like I'm hearing first screen, second screen experience soon. <laughs> Colin, I want to go back to the Miami Marlins. Because people may not know how your business works. Sure. How many man hours would you say you put in and by the way, great photo when you were there with you know Jorge at, at the All Star game. I know that got a lot of attention. Every that's at the height when is he going to get the team? Is you know Jeter's involved? Anytime Jeter's involved, you know it's going to be a sexy transaction. But how many man hours did you put in for your guy, your horse, not to win? And how frustrating is that? How often does that occur? Wow, never been asked that. Um, a lot of man hours. I, I honestly couldn't even. Probably better off asking your wife. Exactly. Um, a lot of late night calls. I mean, that's the business, though. Um, you know, basically 100% focused on it for a two month period there uh, in the summer of um, 2017. Uh, look, any buy side engagement, meaning representing a buyer, uh, comes with risk that they're not going to win. Um, you know, Jorge was someone that um, wanted to do something big in sports, and if, if it wasn't. Uh, the Marlins, which obviously ended up not being, he was going to do something, and we're about long-term relationships, so we don't do the, we don't take on buy side assignments with with just anyone. Um, we have a pretty tight filter, um, but you know it ended up working out great because we knew Jorge was up to speed on the sports industry. Um, the Miami MLS situation was somewhat fortuitous and opportunistic. You know, had he won the Marlins, he would not have probably pursued the the football franchise, and so. On balance, where that deal shook out, um, he, I'm pretty sure he's happy where he is versus, you know, paying 1.2 billion for, uh, for the Marlins. Which, look, Derek will do a great job there. I, I have no doubt. Um, but I think focused on the, the football team uh, ended up working out well. All right, time now to put a visual on everybody who's driving that'll make you hit a tree. Just think of a six-one, two hundred fifty-pound gray-haired guy. Taking a Zumba fitness class. Are we buying bar at six one? This is like a college basketball <laughs> no, recruit. I'm six one, man, and with my Evan, uh, Evan neon Williams, shoes. Six one. I just want this segment to be over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to ask Zumba fitness. I, I that's that's something I didn't see where there's a lot of money to be made, but yes, there is. Zumba is an incredible story. Um, I should I should say. You know, fitness and sort of lifestyle around fitness 
falls under sports. That, that's Barr's lifestyle. He's around the fitness. <laughs> He's not a participant in the fitness like wow. Eben is. He's I, around the fitness. I polish the bicep. He's got the chicken wings as a as a onlooker of the fitness. <laughs> we've looked at the fitness space. Uh, Zumba was our first investment. Um, we've since invested in um, a yoga festival business uh, and brand called Wanderlust. Um, we've made another investment in the space, um, which hasn't been disclosed. It's an area that we're super focused on because of the trends in on-demand fitness, on training, at-home fitness, on general, um, you know, perception and growth of a uh, a healthy lifestyle. Um, we like the content. We like that it's uh, evergreen typically. But Zumba is one where you know I think we, even we scratched our head a little bit when we first um, went down to see the business. But think of um, two hundred thousand instructors wearing uh, neon spandex, uh, doing fitness in the form of dance classes. And it's a lifestyle. People have tattoos, you know, a lot of ways like Iron Sounds Man. Sounds like SoulCycle, yeah. Iron Man, yeah. yeah. And it's changing people's lives. And it's, it's a way to get healthy, fit, build community um, that is not intimidating. It's very welcoming. It appeals to the broadest possible demo. Oh, Reigns, Colin Neville, you were so kind to come and talk with us. Thanks yeah. for having me. Evan, I think you might be able to uh, bid on the twitter handle without the mm. underscore <laughs> yes there, there's actually there's an there's an at enw that's available i think like at aoc she changed when she got elected we're you set, could we're, be we're, the new aoc i'll be your buy side advisor yeah right. there we, we can go. talk about it oh now we're talking Wait, well what's this, what, well, you gotta ask well, now we're talking what's the fee i mean it's the first question what's we'll, the we'll fee? talk about that off <laughs> all right <laughs> well we'll update everybody how this turns out <laughs> colin thank you again. thanks guys time now for takeaways uh <laughs> Yes, I know I want to do a Zumba class, but that what I, really, what I really got Oish. was I just stopped. <laughs> I, I, that, you know, again, it's like there, he's got his hand in so many things, and with a soccer here in the U.S., it, man, if I had a wad of cash. That would be the team that I would invest in. That is be... a turn from Michael Barr, who once asked yes. the deputy commissioner of MLS, when is soccer going to be big in the I U.S.? I did. I did. You, now you think it is? We're I, there? I, Convert. Yes, I do. He's yes, there? Yes, I do. All right. Convert. And I didn't, I, you know, I'm, I know I had to ask it as a geezer, but it, but yeah, I believe in it. Oh, well, my takeaway is very simple. The sophistication of the owners these days. It's not mom and pop anymore. Remember the Simpsons? Mom and pop hardware? a subdivision of Global Dominance, Inc. Well, <laughs> that's where we are. You're, you're at the stage where these franchises, which are sold as sort of mom-and-pop community trusts, no, they are not. They are mature, sophisticated businesses that fit into a larger plan, whether it's real estate, whether it's media. There are 10 polls, and these are just part of it. Time now for the number of the week. This is so easy. Oh, I hate when he no, does this. I no, hate when he there, does this. There's it's never, no, easy. never there, easy. No, never easy. no. This one, there's no way you can miss this one. Uh, the number, yeah. 425. Evan and I look at each other quizzically. Oh, no, come uh, on. Now, the, number of, oh, 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 the number of career saves from Mariano Rivera. You're close. Oh, you are good. close. I get it. I'm glad. That, you, no, that was the that was the number of votes he got. That's it. Oh, Boom. That's it. Number of Boom. votes. I would teamwork. not have gotten it. I, I was, wrote about it. I was it too. the setup man, and you were the closer. Yeah. Thank you very much. Unanimous. Well done, Evan. Well done, Evan. Four hundred twenty-five. Jeff Nelson from the Baseball Writers Association, and he got them all. That has never happened before. I, Greatest I spoke, closer. I spoke to Brandon Steiner the, the day after, and, and he said that unanimous means a lot like all the collectibles 
that are going to, you know, those guys, they want Yankees, they want Hall of Famers. And to have that unanimous tag, the price will be a little bit higher, but it's not really so much as price that's going to be impacted by the unanimous. It's going to be the demand that they now want to go out. These collectors want to go out and get the Mariano because he's so popular. So, rookie card, man. Yeah, gotta, he's a, he's a must-have, as he said. You have been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports, and we're here each and every week at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. You can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Evan Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. Still. I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thank you very much for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. Didn't you tell me to get over it with the Saints? Yeah. Get, underscore. Get over it. You heard Ooh. Colin Neville of the Rain Group say it's no good. Yeah. Change it. I've He's got, a smart I've got man. representation now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. Bloomberg.